This is All India Radio. In the weekly program Current Affairs, we now bring you a discussion on India's diplomatic ties with Beamstick. The participants are Anil Vadhwa, former diplomat, and Kamaraga, senior journalist. Nilova Roy Chaudhary, journalist, initiates and moderates the discussion. We're talking this evening about the various bilateral meetings Prime Minister has had with series of world leaders today who had come to attend his swearing-in ceremony yesterday. Modi 2.0, as it were, began with a bang in many ways with heads of state from the BIMSTEC countries being invited and the chair of the SCO, the president of Kyrgyzstan and the prime minister of Mauritius coming in. Prime minister met with the prime minister of Nepal the Prime Minister of Bhutan, the President of Sri Lanka, the President of the Kyrgyz Republic and the Prime Minister of Mauritius. All of these meetings have happened today. The two Southeast Asian leaders who had come to attend his swearing-in ceremony unfortunately left last night, so there wasn't much scope for bilateral meetings with them yesterday. I'll start with you, Ambassador Wadfa. Why BIMSTEC? I mean, last time, 2014, we had the SARC leadership coming in. This time, we have the BIMSTEC leaders. Why? As you know, SARC is a stalled process right now, mainly because of the Pakistani intransigence. And as an organization, it's really not functional. No summit meetings are being held at the moment. BIMSTEC offers a great opportunity for regional cooperation and development. Wimstek has come into the focus quite recently, although it's existed since 1997. The reason being that it actually connects South Asia and Southeast Asia. Five countries from South Asia connect with two in Southeast Asia. If you see our major projects of connectivity, they're located in this region. So you have the trilateral highway, the Kaladan multimodal project, and then you have the BBIN issue where motor vehicles agreement and connectivity are also important. This region also has a lot of potential for energy cooperation. In fact, the region needs an energy grid, and there is plenty of resources available because hydropower is available, hydrocarbons are available, Myanmar and Bangladesh. Plus, there is a security angle to this region where most of the countries here face similar security problems which have come to the fore recently and because of that you had very successful cooperation between the national security advisors of these countries which has been happening over the past one and a half years. It's also been extended now to cooperation between the home ministers and in future there are plans to extend it to meetings of the army chiefs as well. Plus, there is a maritime dimension. So the literal states of BIMSTEC, whoever requires an upgradation of their maritime surveillance capabilities because of the new threats that have emerged in the region. And finally, shipping is a very important element as well. So although BIMSTEC now has about 615 sectors which it is supposed to concentrate on, lately there have been proposals, one by Thailand, the last summit, where it said that let's concentrate on five and energy is one of them, science and technology, people-to-people contacts, connectivity, etc. All these are important because it lifts up the development in the region and in the process also connects all the countries much more than before. So geostrategically speaking, as far as India is concerned, BIMSTEC has emerged as a very important organization. In the absence of SARC, which where nothing can be done by way of connectivity or otherwise, because especially in terms of connectivity, all projects were stalled by Pakistan for quite some time. And in the near future, it doesn't look like SARC will be revived again because of the terrorist angle. 
and their support to cross-border terrorism from Pakistan. Therefore, for this occasion, which was the swearing-in ceremony of the new government, it was appropriate if these countries were called and leadership from these countries was present. Just the two others who are the Kyrgyz Republic is here because of the SEO summit which is happening very shortly. And ahead of that summit, I think it's important to touch base with the leadership and establish strong connections. And Mauritius is a long-standing friend of India and it's a special relationship and therefore it was an apt occasion to get the leader here. Mr. Aga, going back to BIMSTEC a little bit and the fact that, I mean, there have been suggestions that one of the reasons that BIMSTEC was invited particularly so that Pakistan as the kind of intransigent neighbor would not have to be invited. During the BRIC summit in 2016, also it was the BIMSTEC leaders who were called in for the outreach meeting, if you recall. Prime Minister also met this morning with the President of Bangladesh, which is a very important neighbor. What exactly do you think the impact of these bilaterals are on the whole BIMSTEC process. He met the Nepali, in fact he met all of the South Asian mm. neighbors today bilaterally. The two Southeast Asian neighbors had of course left by then. One thing is very important, you know, the Prime Minister gives a lot of emphasis on neighborhood first policy. So this come under the same banner, you know, that uh, we should give a lot of importance to these countries who are in our neighborhood, both the eastern side as well as western side. And it's an old policy. In fact, Narsimha Rao, then Atul Bihari Bajpayee has also given a lot of emphasis. But UPA 1 and 2, not much, you know, because they were mainly dealing with the ties with the United States, Indo-US nuclear agreement. A lot of time was wasted or spent in that. Let's put it that way. So last also, the Prime Minister started with SARC leaders and gave emphasis, visited these countries, this, all the SARC countries. And it's the same, the continuation of some change, you know, because Pakistan has been dropped and instead of SARC, the Minstick has replaced it. So, a lot of emphasis, a lot of importance to this region and Prime Minister would be visiting soon Sri Lanka and other countries. Apart from that, Sheikh Hasina is going to come in the next few days just to greet Prime Minister. There is a news. Then next month, a CO meeting is going to take place in Bishkek. The Prime Minister would be going. And the President of Kyrgyz Republic was here also. He met with him and talked to him. Could I hold that thought for one moment? Again, the... SEO, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, both Pakistan and India joined mm -hmm. together in 2017. So yet again, in the context of the SCO, we also have Pakistan kind of coming up. Both our Prime Minister as well as the Prime Minister of Pakistan are going to be in Bishkek at the same time, raising a lot of obviously speculation about whether they would be meeting at all. Basically, strictly, the main conference would be dealing only with the bilateral or with the regional issues of the Shanghai Corporation. But sideline meetings might take place between Prime Minister and Imran Khan. I mean, it is not yet uh, declared officially. So speculations are there, some references were there, but nothing going to come out, you know. Because Government of India or Prime Ministers made it categorically clear that terror and talks will not go side by side. And uh, India expect uh, at least change in Pakistan's uh, policy of supporting militancy in the region itself, not only India, but in Afghanistan and other countries.
and we have a lot of support from the regional countries, both the region, because the other neighborhood is uh, Central Asia, which have very close ties with India. Therefore, both the countries, and there are many countries of this region and the other Central Asian republics, you know, they are actually victim of militancy, all of them. So idea is to build pressure on Pakistan so that change come eventually in Pakistan's foreign policy. War is not an option, but this is the way is, uh, you know, that we will not deal till you bring change in your country or come to the negotiation. India wants peace. India wants to deal with Pakistan. But the term is clear. As long as you are supporting militancy, there will not be any serious threat. But talk on terror might go. So NSA level talks might take place. This is general feeling in Delhi. Um, Anil, the Nepali Prime Minister has apparently given an interview in which he said BIMSTEC in itself is of course an extremely important organization and particularly also for India in the context of the Indo-Pacific that we are increasingly exploring. But he said that it cannot replace SARC and SARC must be revived and the whole process must begin. So in the bilateral context also of Nepal, how would you view the A, the talks that were held today and the overall bilateral relationship now between India and Nepal? It's been a little rocky in 2015. Is it on the mend now, do you think? I think as far as the SARC issue is concerned, Nepal, of course, is supposed to host the summit. So obviously Nepal is anxious that, uh, you know, a summit must happen because it's his turn to host it. It's also got a lot of pressure, which is coming from Pakistan, Mm -hmm. as well as China, Mm -hmm. in this case, which is acting on behalf of Pakistan, to see this process going. In general, China would like to see SAC being revived because it can then hope to play a role as an observer. And uh, in future, because the stakes are very much linked with countries in South Asia, therefore it would definitely like to see these interests get more stronger. So there is presence, of course, now through the CPEC in Pakistan. There is presence in Afghanistan. There's been a lot of projects Chinese have done with Myanmar, with Bangladesh, presence in Sri Lanka, in Maldives in the recent past. So therefore, there is a specific interest there. So that explains the Nepalese insistence that SARC must be revived. And I think nobody disagrees with that. But the fact is that at least three countries of the region are very clear that terror actions by Pakistan must stop before a summit-level meeting can take place. And there's nothing on the ground which suggests that any movement has taken place in that direction. Second part of your question is about bilateral relationship with Nepal. Yes, I agree. That's been rocky in the recent past and it's been managed so far thanks to the special efforts that have been made by Prime Minister Modi. He's made a number of visits, both been seen as goodwill visits and at the same time he came out very strongly in the aid of Nepal following the earthquake and therefore India has extended all possible help as it has been doing in the past. I think domestic compulsions in Nepal have played a role in terms of the government trying to equidistance itself between India and China. And you have a recent developments where uh, the fact that the uh, Nepalese have signed a transit agreement with uh, China, which has been sold to the public as saying that Nepal is no longer dependent upon India for its outlets into the sea. But the fact remains that the outlets through China are very, very far away from the Nepalese mainland. It's not really practical, but at the same time, it gives some amount of uh, satisfaction politically to the domestic audience that at least the Nepalese leadership is trying to show a strong hand as far as playing with India is concerned. India has an open border with Nepal. So nothing can replace this relationship. And um, Nepal 
should realize this as India does, that in the current circumstances, uh, without this dependence on India, the economic progress is, will be shackled. And it is a fact that some amount of delay has happened in Indian projects in Nepal, which of course the Chinese have now quickly offered to step in and also do similar projects, which is hydropower, for instance, or building roads or railway, for instance. But as far as hydropower projects are concerned, where is the market? The market is in India. And I think India would be willing to step up the plate and say, yes, if there is a requirement that we will be willing to buy this in the future. But it's actually up to the Nepalese to actually concretize these proposals. I don't think this kind of initiative can be taken by the Indian side because unless it's an Indian project, that initiative cannot come. So as far as our bilateral projects are concerned, we have never stepped back. Our aid to Nepal continues like it used to. And in general public perception, there is a feeling that the Nepalese are trying to distance themselves a little bit from India because of possible pressure from China. And at the same time, they want to play both sides and benefit in the process. So this is a policy which the Nepalese leadership has to determine what is the future for Nepal in the future. But of course, as far as India is concerned, there has been no change in the treatment of Nepal. We know it's a special relationship and mm. will continue to be a special relationship. They don't quite seem to think so in terms of the 2015 economic, what they call uh, the economic blockade of that country. Masaga, coming to you and the whole Chinese uh, issue, is BIMSTEC something that China is a little wary of, given the fact that you have both Thailand and Myanmar as part of it, and, and hence sort of encroaching into ASEAN and possible territory where China feels that it's backyard more than India's? Yeah, China may be thinking that, but the countries of this region, you know, they want India to play a greater role. Not only Thailand or Myanmar, also, you know, Vietnam, Cambodia, mainly Vietnam, the other countries, you know, seven, eight countries over there, South China Sea region. It looks there are certain countries. Now, realization is coming within the Sri Lanka, even in Nepal has also come that uh, too much dependence on China is no good for them. So what they are doing, sometimes they try to exploit India-China differences in their favor also. Now what we are seeing, you know, they are going to China and trying to extract as much as concession or projects from there. Then they come to us, India, and India from India also they take. This is also good. Secondly, they have seen, especially Sri Lanka, what has happened to them. You know, These countries have not much absorption capacity. What has happened, the large number of funds which came in there, they become hostage of that funds. And China is now demanding Humber Dota, for oh. example, what has happened to them. They have to give them, you know, for 100 years at least. They never wanted, in fact. Now, now so India and Japan and Sri Lanka are sort of planning on working something similar on Colombo, but in a different, different model. Even in Malaysia and Indonesia, also reconsidering their ties with the number of areas, you know, number of projects. Let's but they've all signed way. on to the Belt and Road Initiative. They're part India. of the Belt of Initiative, but number of projects they have rejected. They said, no, we'll renegotiate with them, especially Mahathir when he came to power. He said, this is too much, you know, because the rate of interest was very high. Then uh, it was tilted in Chinese favor, not in local people. Large number of Chinese were brought in as a worker. Local workers or local people were not benefiting much. You know, we have seen in Pakistan the tension in Baluchistan, for example, number of terrorist attack or local people have attacked. Number of Chinese engineers and uh, workers were killed in the oh. process in Pakistan itself, you know, because Pakistan, they are saying, you know, it's a new form of East India Company. 
So that's a problem, you know, with these countries are facing now. So what is happening? These countries have realizing, be it in Nepal or Sri Lanka and the other countries of Bimstick, for example, that we have a very deep ties with India. It cannot be snapped. As Ambassador mentioned, that uh, connectivity and the other things, the cultural, the religious ties, it goes back to centuries, you know. They don't know China and they don't know the Chinese language. They have no connection with China, say, about uh, 50 years back, you know. Suddenly, Chinese came in that region. So, there is a tension also in number of it. Especially, you know, you look at uh, occupied Kashmir, Gilgit, Baltistan region, you know. Where so many Chinese have come, you know. They said, what is happening? Their language, their culture, their, everything is threatened by them. You know? And everyday demonstrations are taking place. Pakistan has to deploy a large number of troops to protect Chinese workers. So, that is a problem. So, now the realization has come. First, they thought it is very good. You know, we are going to get a lot of money. We are going development work, you know, infrastructure development. But it has created a lot of tensions within these societies. So, they are coming back to India. They are realizing, you know, we cannot leave India. Trying to counterbalance also time, you know, with China. India is the only country which can counterbalance. Similarly, Central Asia also. I was there just a couple of weeks back in Kyrgyzstan. So they were saying, you know, that Russians are here, Chinese are here, you know, we want India to come. Where is India? You are not coming. So they want India. So in what capacity would India really go there? I mean, They want investment. They want basically development. They want at least a large number of areas, India's cooperation, you know. Mm -hmm. They see India as a successful country, as a success model. India's development is a successful model. Not only they, even North Africans and the Arab, if you talk to them, you know, many of them said India is the only country, you know, which has emerged so strong, which has uh, gaining 6 to 8% economic growth and GDP has went up to 7% plus. So for them, India is a model. They try to imitate, they try to seek help, not exactly, you know, but they want to seek a number of areas, training programs, various uh, areas, various economic development. Anil, talking of Africa, we have Mauritius, of course, the Prime Minister of Mauritius having uh, visited and he's probably left today by now. Even last time as well as this time, why would Mauritius be a special invitee for India on occasions such as this? As you know, and this has been uh, talked about quite often very recently, that as far as India is concerned, the Indo-Pacific has two components to it. It's not just the Pacific side of it, but also the Indian Ocean side Mm -hmm. of it. And for us, our sea lanes of communication to our west are very important as well. So in that process, Seychelles, Mauritius, Maldives, Oman, all these countries have become very important. Recently, we've seen a number of security-related moves as far as India is concerned with these countries. Of course, the economic ties, the cultural ties exist for a very long time. Prime Minister Modi, during his visit to the region about three years ago, he also elaborated on Sagar and the development of blue economy as well. We haven't moved much in respect of the security part of it since then with these countries, which should have happened, in my view. But at the same time, there's been significant progress which has been made. What has happened is that instead of the concentration which was supposed to have been on Seychelles and Mauritius, we have actually also started looking at the Gulf region as an important security provider. And a mutual sort of dependence of security concept has emerged with these countries. So it's not just um, in terms of sea lanes of communication, but also 
in terms of common threats to security like terrorism, radicalization, etc. Mauritius, in that respect, from all aspects, whether you take it from the security angle as a transit point, as an important connectivity point, or from our age-old cultural ties with Mauritius, in all these areas, it's been very, very important for India. Also from the point of view of diaspora, I mean, India yes. particularly yes. is completely... Yes. Diaspora connections and the fact that Mauritius has always supported us in multilateral institutions, United Nations, and uh, always stood by India. Recently, we had similar support shown by India when there was a UNGA resolution, which was on Diego Garcia, and we were on the side of Mauritius. Uh, so I think that just goes to prove that these ties are very strong and India would certainly like to keep up this relationship as much as possible in the future. And therefore, there is an importance of Mauritius. Again, coming back to the bilateral talks that have been held over today, Bangladesh, as I said, was another important country, the president of which came over. What would the talks have concentrated on, do you think, between Prime Minister Modi and President Abdul Hamid? There are a number of areas, multi-sectoral, basically, number of issues must have come, you know. And I believe apart from investment uh, or developmental assistance from India, the terror must be one of the priority over there. Because Bangladesh, I think the only Muslim country, you know, where the people are also fighting against the militancy or against the Islamic militants, you know. A number of people have died in the process, you know. The secular group is very strong. And uh, they want this menace to go, supporting Hasina in this process, you know. So India's assistance become very important in counter-terrorism operations there, you know, because we have maximum experience in dealing militancy coming from across the border, because the source is the same. The problem from there, Pakistan, because Bangladesh has accused Pakistan, you know, for fermenting trouble in their country, you know. So this is one of the reasons I think the talk must have come, these discussions. Also, you know, connectivity plus, you know, the, would be very, hmm, very important. Con- connectivity I mean, with all these countries. Even up. for India, yes, uh, going is. through Bangladesh to Tripura is it's so much faster. Problem, you know, it is a basically our problem, you know. They must be emphasizing, you know, do it fast, you know, hmm. these, uh, complete these projects, you know. Hmm. The trilateral project, which Ambassador has mentioned, you know, is taking a lot of time. India... Myanmar and Thailand, because if we connect it, India with Thailand, India with Myanmar, then Myanmar is already connected with Thailand, and Thailand is connected with number of countries there in East Asia and beyond, so we can get, you know, but the project is taking a lot of time. I think this term of Prime Minister, you know, emphasis will be on all these projects, you know, to complete in time, you know. Nepal is also demanding railway line, you know, for example. We need a pipeline connectivity with Myanmar or Bangladesh, you know, that is also delaying, you know. And all this we've forgotten Bhutan, actually, today. That that was another important, important, from a security Mm -hmm. point of view, phenomenally important country. It becomes very important after Dukla. Yes, absolutely phenomenally uh, important. It's a country which is totally dependent on us and where the Chinese are trying to win over or Chinese want to invest, Chinese want Bhutan to recognize the Republic of China, People's Republic of China. Chinese ambassador has visited number of times Bhutan, you know, now aid is also started coming to to Bhutan and secondly, you know, the Doklam issue, you know, they want that land, that piece of land and in return, you know, they wanted to give some other piece of land. They want connectivity with Bhutan, so Bhutan is up to long resisting, you know, 
Bhutan is a very important old cultural, religious ties with them. We have, you know, and it's totally with us, you know. They need development assistance from India. And yep. uh, they need, you know, connectivity further develop, you know. They need infrastructure development, you know. Anil, have uh, we been very slow in terms of delivering on our sort of promises to Bhutan? Is is there a little unrest happening in, in that? Well, I think I think uh, Bhutan is a better, you know, case as far as uh, aid, disbursement of aid is concerned. There was just a slight delay about two or three years ago in one of the hydropower projects. Uh, but other than that, I think India has managed to deliver aid to Bhutan on time. Uh, there is um, a lot of potential by way of uh, hydropower and you know, electricity generation and um, already Bhutan is uh, selling electricity to India and because of that, you know, the Bhutanese GDP has gone up tremendously. So it's one of the more prosperous countries in South Asia at the moment. That potential is still to be fully uh, utilized. And I think there is also, uh, once the connectivity proposal is agreed to by the Bhutanese parliament, then you will have uh, more of an interaction between all the way from Bangladesh into Bhutan through India. So that will give it um, much more of a profile as a country for South Asian neighbors. Uh, I think the problem with Bhutan is in that respect is that it is uh, very conscious of the environment. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, the parliament is slow as far as that ratification is concerned. You know, slowly, you know, one of these days, uh, you know, this this position would change, and I presume that that connectivity aspect will improve. There is also a lot happening by way of uh, setting up of institutions in Bhutan uh, with Indian collaboration. For example, a world class uh, training academy for uh, diplomats, for instance, is being built there which is a excellent institution and perhaps will become a center of excellence in the region you know, sometime in the future. There is great potential for tourism as far as India is concerned, uh, but Bhutan has restricted that, and I, I suppose rightly so, to high-end tourism and not the low-end tourism, mm. which can actually, again, lead to issues with regard to environment. Uh, so, therefore, I think with Bhutan in the relationship is sound, uh, the government of the day today is uh, working closely with India, and you know, as far as the monarchy is concerned, we've always had an excellent relationship. Um, Mr. Aga, I'll come to you about the Sri Lankan aspect of the visit. Given uh, the recent horrendous set of suicide bombings that happened in Colombo, a lot of the talk today must have centered around mm -hmm. the whole terrorism issue and the fact that India had actually given them notice of such an event happening and them not having actually acted on it. What do you think, how do you think this relationship can be sort of further strengthened, especially the security aspects of it? They have said themselves, you know, that... Uh, the type of operation have taken place, uh, they cannot deal alone. They need uh, information sharing, on, then they need counter-terrorism support from India, you know, the number of areas, you know. And um, attempt was made by some of the groups, you know, to undermine India-Sri Lanka relations, because this, the government at present in Sri Lanka is very friendly with India, you know, they want to develop a closer ties with India. So there are groups, there are people who do not want uh, these closer ties between India and uh, Sri Lanka. And uh, 
one of the agenda of the talks must be the counter-terrorism with Sri Lanka. Apart from this, you know, the development assistance, education, uh, medical facilities, they're demanding, you know, the other areas of cooperation would be further strengthened. You know, India would like to, the IT sector, right. they want cooperation, pharmaceutical sector, they want cooperation. Thank you so very much, Mr. Aga, and thank you so much, Ambassador Vatva. You were listening to a discussion on India's diplomatic ties with Bimstick. The participants were Anil Vadwa, former diplomat, and Kamaraga, senior journalist. Nilova Roy Chaudhary, journalist, initiated and moderated the discussion. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. You can also listen to this program on our website, newsonair.nic.in. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks at gmail.com. Music.